0: Greetings again, everyone, and welcome to another episode of OSI Today, the podcast featuring news and views from around the Office of Special Investigations. I'm Wayne Amon from OSI Public Affairs. August 1st, 2023 marks the 75th anniversary of OSI's inception. And throughout the year, the command is commemorating the occasion based on the theme inspired by our past. OSI's future starts today and with me to discuss how the Office of Procurement Fraud Investigations fits into that scenario is Procurement Fraud Director Mr. Jason Hine. Sir welcome to the program always great to chat with you welcome aboard. Hey you too Wayne thanks glad to be here. Now uh, let's uh, dive in, shall we? Because I know PF uh, is, as we mentioned, off mic. Uh, we here. BF is uh, very, very busy all the time. Uh, just kind of a kind of a historical perspective here to kick, kick things off for our novice listeners to OSI and to procurement fraud. Uh, when and how did the activation of procurement fraud come about?
1: Well, that's that's going back a minute. Um, we went uh, procurement fraud set up in 2013 was when we were activated. Mm -hmm. Um, And the problem that caused uh, the activation of of the Office of Procurement Fraud was um, prior to the creation of PF, as we call it, uh, fraud agents in OSI were decentralized. We were assigned to um, regular operating bases uh, across the the country, mostly aligned under Region 1. Mm -hmm. Uh, Region 1 was aligned with the Air Force Materiel Command, so it makes sense that the fraud agents are with your buying command. Right. Um, But the decentralized, uh, the nature of of the uh, the procurement fraud mission at that time didn't really allow for fraud agents to effectively focus on fraud. They were getting pulled to do other things a lot. And so um, it was kind of a, a 50, 75% of your time was working fraud. And then you you were working something else uh, at other right. times. So it really didn't allow us to do anything proactive. Uh-huh. Um and we had a really low percentage of investigations in which OSI, even if there was a DAF interest in a case. Uh, was the lead agency. A lot of times we let other agencies run lead on the fraud cases because we just really didn't have the time. right? Um, We kept getting pulled uh, to do other things. So um, PF was created in 2013 in order to properly support those investigations um, and our customers. OSI needed to provide a dedicated uh, fraud investigators to investigate um, just fraud that was getting more and more complex as the weapon systems got more and more complex.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um and the corruption cases across the DAF. Um and for, also, our,
0: for our for our new listeners, sir again, DAF is Department of the Air Force.
1: Department of the Air Force, right. absolutely. Right. Um and it also we, allowed us to let agents stay in place longer because of our, our cases run longer. Generally um we're looking at five to seven years before they're properly and completely adjudicated. Uh, right now, we just closed an investigation that was 11 years um, in wow. the making, okay. uh, where justice uh, just got uh, disposition on one of our cases. But the long term nature of fraud investigations left OSI in this difficult position of supporting investigations um, when we had other interests as well pulling at us while we were uh, attached to the debt. I see. So the, cre- so the creation of PF was kind of OSI acknowledging that fact. Um and better serving our our customers and and dedicating uh, ourselves to fraud. Uh And the stand-up of PF really had three main objectives. And one was to refocus the mission, uh, to give all the agents a dedicated mission to go after, to align with the interests of our customers. Our two primary customers are the the, uh, PEOs and the the U.S. Attorney's Office. Uh And to centralize, and define procurement fraud within the Air Force. So, P- PF now plays a much greater role in the bigger Air Force in procurement fraud, in what it is, and how to combat it than we did before.
0: I see. Okay, very good. Now, uh, sir, you mentioned uh, PF, as it's also called, uh, has as its major customers uh, Air Force acquisitions, and as you just mentioned, uh, PEOS or uh, uh, many uh, program executive offices. Uh, what unique challenge or challenges does that diverse responsibility present for the folks in PF?
1: Oh, there's quite a few. Um, when AFMC realigned to the PEO construct, these program executive officers, what they are are um, AFMC created four centers and a laboratory responsible for acquisition and sustainment and testing. Um, and these offices are responsible for managing Air Force weapon systems from their inception until they're you know, cradle to grave from, right. from when we first think them up to, to when we when we decommissioned them. Sure. Um, and as of now, there are over two dozen PEOs. We, we keep activating PEOs and reorganizing every couple of years. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of them. Um, so the PF customer base, when you're looking at these PEOs, um, is more senior and more diverse than any other OSI region, um, with the exception probably of, of PJ, our Office of Special Projects.
0: Right. Right.
1: Um, these customers, the PEOs operate at the strategic level of the the Air Force and have greater operational impact than other OSI customers. Hmm. This means PF has a greater impact on and responsibility to each warfighter. I see. Um, One of the big problems or one of the big challenges with that is PF investigations often impact more than one of these PEOs. So a part that goes on one airplane may also go on another airplane that is – overseen by a different peo in another part of the country right so right. Um, that necessitates a much more complex network of coordination uh, within right. our our directorate and within the uh the different detachments within my directorate um to communicate uh to all of the stakeholders our offices are also aligned geographically so again one one pf detachment may have a peo that covers space and another PF detachment may have a PEO that covers nuclear. And mm-hmm. those two PEOs may have something, they both may have interests in a particular investigation. Right. So one detachment has to make sure that the other detachment is up to speed on their case to make sure that that PEO that has the interest is also briefed in on it.
0: Mm-hmm. Therefore,
1: it requires constant communication among my detachments uh, to ensure the investigations in everybody's AOR are, are covered. I see. Um, Additionally, while we support the PEOs, we can't do that alone. I mentioned the Department of Justice earlier. Right. We need the Justice Department to represent the Air Force in federal court. We don't represent the Air Force in court. The Justice Department does that on our behalf.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: we need to ma- maintain relationships with U.S. attorney's offices in every federal district in the country. Wow. This means depending on the detachment's location, they may fall under three or four different judicial districts, mm-hmm. and each of those judicial districts may have different rules or priorities um, or thresholds in what they, what kind of cases they'll accept. So, the longer a case agent is able to stay in a location and learn those things mm-hmm. and learn the nuances of each office, um, the more effective they get. I see. Um, and so that's that's another challenge. And finally, yeah, um, a third challenge is. Uh, U.S. attorneys in our sister services don't move their personnel as much as OSI does. Uh, So when we have a case that takes eight years, it's very hard. Um, The USAs don't like to see multiple case agents on one case. They want to see, you know, one case agent who can serve as a witness in court um, for the duration of the case. So that's. many times they'll prefer to have another agency take the lead if we if we move our folks around too much and then then ends up with osi maybe not being the loudest voice at the table when DAF interests come up and we have to count on other agencies to do that
0: right yeah certainly uh, obviously it uh, sounds like a lot of a lot of moving parts that are involved and uh, and coordination right. is, is is one of the keys uh mr Hine. uh, uh headquartered at Joint Base Anacostia-Bowling in uh, Washington, D.C., as you are, uh, PF's mission is, uh, quote, to deliver specialized investigative techniques, upholding the integrity of the air and Space Force's acquisition systems by rooting out corruption, protecting resources, and preserving warfighter safety and capabilities. Now, all that being said, uh, in your view, what's been PF's key to successfully accomplishing that all-encompassing mission?
1: Well, we say PF has to move at the speed of the private sector. Uh-huh. Uh, many of our cases take a long time and they seem to move very slowly. Um, but the DAF is all, you know, is often the victim of, of fraud by perpetrators that are operating in the private sector and operating at that speed. Mm-hmm. So fraudsters have become more sophisticated over the, over the course of the, the years I've been in this, in this work. And uh, so have we. Um, Our training regimen has had to evolve to mirror that of the private sector. Um, And and so that ensures our agents are trained to the latest fraud schemes used against us, used against the Air Force. Um, We partnered with private sector entities to to give us kind of up to the minute training on Mm -hmm. different fraud schemes that are out there and how they're working. But really, one of the biggest things is um, you have to be just constantly learning. Uh, right, right. The best PF agents I've ever worked with are lifelong learners. Every time something comes up, you may have a cost mischarging case. Um, you could have three different cost mischarging cases. It's all the same scheme, but every different perpetrator comes at it from a different angle. Right. So you have to be able to constantly be willing to learn and see how that, that works. Um, PF and PF has also uh, secured some in-house capabilities. We've got analytical support. Uh, in house that provides support for our our investigations as well as audit support. We've got some auditors on board at every one of our locations that uh, provide dedicated audit support to our fraud investigations. Mm-hmm. Um, that you know that helps us uh, with the resources to to kind of um, build rela- uh, build uh, relationships between companies and people and between companies in the Air Force and right. and figure out how how they're they're working. Uh, but really, in the end. Um, Having those agents dedicated to the fraud mission and not being pulled away to do other things has been the biggest um, the biggest enabler of our, enabler of our success uh, in PF mm-hmm. um, I'll give you an example um, in the 10 years we looked it up and in the ten years prior to the standup of PF, the central systems fraud agents recovered about 1.8 billion dollars uh-huh. so that's between 2003 and 2013 okay. In uh, the first 10 years of PF existence, so that's 2013 until 2023, we recovered $2.8 billion. Wow. So another billion dollars just because we reorganized and centralized mm-hmm. it all under the subject matter experts. Um, wow. So that's... it just shows you when you have agents dedicated to the mission and provided with the tools and the policies they need to do it, you really, all you got to do is get out of the way. Right.
0: <laughs>
1: OSI agents will do what OSI agents do, and they'll do amazing
0: right. things. Right. Uh, I think you, uh, uh, you, you led Sigrid, I should say, very nicely into my next question, uh, Agent Hine. Uh, what are some of the more notable mission milestones that uh, procurement fraud can reflect upon that have uh, defined its legacy? Obviously, these last 10 years of uh, uh, recovering so much money uh, has to be right up there with it. <laughs>
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, man, there's a whole list. Um, <laughs> probably one of the biggest ones obviously was the standup of PF and the centralization of the mission uh-huh. um, in 2013. Um, probably in 2016 is when we brought in our first analyst support. And those were contract analysts that we brought in to, to help us. That is something the fraud mission had never really had a whole lot of experience in uh-huh. um, and support from. So that that was a big thing. Um, in 2018, uh, the OSI commander, um, the uh, contracting commander for the air force and the suspension department of official of the air force signed a memorandum of understanding that basically requires all of us to work together
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and kind of put everybody in the, in the acquisition community and the OSI community on notice that fraud was our job. And we were all kind of in this together, one team, one fight. Right. Um, In 2020, PF started what we call the Office Hours, and that is a weekly training session uh, that is hosted by PF headquarters staff that covers fraud training and database training, and that's been attended by PF agents and uh, fraud agents uh, and and just uh, OSI agents from all over the, the command. Uh, wow. On a weekly basis,
0: right. Well, you mentioned um, earlier, yeah. sir. I'm sorry, sir. You mentioned earlier that uh, sure. training is uh, kind of a never-ending uh, process uh, with the way things uh, change. Like you said, at the speed of uh, the civilian sector.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, training is our, our number one thing. That recurring training. Um, we have you know folks that come out once in a while, and if we get a really interesting case that is a new take on something, we'll have uh, we'll have that agent brief and and talk about what that case looks like and how how the how the fraudsters in that particular investigation went at it, and uh, the the uniqueness of it. Yeah. Um. And and like I said, the the expansion of the analysts. Uh, we got more analysts um, in 2021, so we've got two GS analysts actually on staff, uh, and we've got some more coming from the Palm in the future. So that's a that's a huge win. And then 2022, we partnered with the Air Force Audit Agency, uh, as I mentioned before, and they have provided auditors to us
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, to sit at each of our detachments our main detachments so that provides direct tactical level audit support to investigations which is something we we hadn't had before um, dedicated to us and the kind of the last couple of things is over the last couple of years we have expanded to uh, across the world um, in 2022 we opened PF 7 which is in Ramstein Germany mm-hmm. uh, And in 2023, just actually about a month ago, six weeks ago, we opened PFDET 8 in Yokota Uh in Japan to cover down on PACAF and and fraud allocations coming out of PACAF. So, yeah, I mean, lots of lots of big high points over the last 10 years. It just keeps getting better. Um, The mission keeps getting just keeps getting stronger.
0: Right. Now you mentioned, uh, 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 that was a long list and, and you're absolutely right. And it still continues to grow over the years. Uh, speaking of another list, uh, who have been uh, some of the more significant contributors to PF success through the years uh, in your mind, obviously I'm sure the list is long and distinguished, but, uh, are there any that uh, kind of stand out in your mind?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I'd have to start with Brigadier general, Kevin Jacobson, who mm-hmm. stood PF up. Uh, I think that was, um, the right call to make, and obviously. I mean, I'm, I'm biased, but that was the right call to make, right? Um, and really, I'd, I'd say former director Paul Walksmith, who I replaced, um, he right. was instrumental in getting a lot of these expansion of the mission and, and the support from the auditors and the analysts and the expansion of the mission overseas, as well as ran probably the greatest marketing campaign for PF um in the in the history of the fraud mission i mean he mm-hmm. got out there and explained what pf was so that everybody kind of knew who we were what we did and that really hadn't happened before in the in the manner that he did it right um right. lieutenant colonel Tolk, who is actually just leaving pf for his second time i think maybe third uh-huh. um he had multiple assignments in pf from the time we stood up until now um Kind of spearheaded our growth and, and especially in data analytics, which is going to be a, a big um, factor in future fraud investigations um, and as well as, as the mission. And, and then finally, General uh, General Bullard, who just retired, was a, was a huge fan of fraud and right. uh, a big champion of the of PF in the mission.
0: Right, right. Yeah, no doubt uh, that uh, some very uh, heavy hitters have been uh, involved yeah, in uh, uh, PF, PF success. And uh, uh, it, uh, again, kind of plays into my next question. Uh, all that now being said about uh, the past of uh, procurement fraud, how would you characterize the future of the Office of Procurement Fraud Investigations going down the road?
1: I think we're just going to continue to grow and be more, more and more effective and, and more and more um, instrumental to the, to the mission of OSI. Um, as the U.S. increases funding for new research and we buy more complex technologies, um, it just makes it that much more sophisticated for fraudsters to, to, to take a bite out of us. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the dedicated fraud agents are that much more important because as these as they become more sophisticated, we need to become more sophisticated as well. I think our in-house capabilities are gonna grow as well. I mentioned uh, in the next uh, POM cycle, we've got a number of analysts coming to us. Mm-hmm. Um, so we should have an analyst at every main detachment and an auditor at every main detachment. And that will, that will help uh, support those investigations and, and provide some links that we probably haven't had before. Some information that we haven't been able to do. Um, obviously we're growing geographically with the expansion of PF into, into Europe and PACAF. Um so I think it's I think it's pretty safe to say that PF plays a vital role in protecting the DAF um, resources with a, a truly worldwide uh, presence. Mm-hmm. Um, we've reached into the the tech protect mission. Uh, PF has always kind of worked the tech protect mission from the criminal side, but we've done a lot more partnering and collaborating with the with the counterintelligence side of OSI in um, in talking about how to how to best protect technologies um, the overall growth of the fraud mission is going to to build more senior leaders in OSI that have, right. have some fraud experience in um, and that and we have expansion of other missions that could benefit from PF experienced people. Uh, the OSI LNO program, um, we have an LNO that sits at uh, SAF-AQ, which is the acquisition um, command. For now, the again, Air Force. Now, again,
0: now again, LNO stands for?
1: A liaison officer, uh, the liaison officer positions. So right. we have an OSI agent that sits at um, the the acquisition command, and we have another that sits over at the Department of Commerce. Uh-huh. And those LNOs are are great positions for right. um, PF trained agents. So yeah, I think that yeah, you know, and as as we know, as as budgets get tighter and you know funding gets less and less, right. Uh, these companies and, and these people who try to uh, get government contracts will just try to to squeeze every penny they possibly can out of it. So mm. we've seen. I've been doing this for twenty five years now. We've yeah. seen every time the budgets get really tight, our fraud cases start to go up. Uh huh. Um, so I, I I imagine it'll just keep keep happening.
0: Well, it certainly must give you some personal satisfaction uh, uh, as the director of. Uh... Uh, the Office of Procurement Fraud to see how uh, such a high standard that the agents, uh, you know, under your charge have uh, been given the command.
1: Absolutely, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I would, I would imagine that uh, uh, you know, it's it's one team, one fight, as they say. And uh, you mentioned a little a second ago that uh, uh, the partnerships have played uh, an ever important and ever growing importance uh, with uh, the uh, success of uh, PF these days. I would imagine.
1: Absolutely, and that's one of the one of the things my agents are really good at doing is we build relationships um, with our customers and, and with partner agencies and even within OSI. I mentioned the the technology protection side. Uh-huh. Um, building those partnerships have been, has been instrumental throughout uh, PF's history in in making sure that we're effective and we're we're protecting the Air Force to the best of our ability.
0: Sure. Now, uh, before we wrap things up today, uh, is there anything else you'd like to add about being part of OSI's seventy-fifth anniversary observance this year?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, I think I think it'd be a good point uh, to note that you know OSI started as the result of a fraud investigation, or more specifically a corruption investigation. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wouldn't be a PF discussion if I didn't bring that up at least once.
0: Right. Right. Um,
1: towards the end of World War II, uh, Major General Myers. Uh, Bennett Myers was appointed the director of the Air Technical Service Command at Wright Field. Uh, Allegations against him were that he was reviewing all of the bids for work um, that he directed and then buying stock in the companies of the lowest bidder. Uh At that point in time, we weren't doing lowest technically acceptable, it was flat out the lowest bidder. So he knew in advance what companies were probably going to get the contract. So he'd go out and buy stock uh, in Uh that company prior to awarding it to them. Additionally, he was the the de facto owner of a company called Aviation Electric Company out of Dayton, Ohio, which he used to steer profits to himself from contracting.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Um, in the end, he took about $3 million in 1946 money, which is about $46 million today.
0: Wow. <laughs> um,
1: tried and convicted, um, served 20 months. And in addition, he was stripped of all of his rank, all of his decorations, and um, and his pension for the rest of his life and he kind of faded into history right um right. so the 75th anniversary of osi uh is celebrating 75th anniversary of uh, 75 years of combating fraud for us in the department mm-hmm. um and that's a testament to the commitment to the mission um we've just gotten more and more committed to it as time has gone on uh osi's taken on many missions since then i mean we we're do counterintelligence in the austere environments and during wartime the cyber stuff that we're doing now um our focus on tech protect uh many more but it's it's really very very humbling to to see that there's still an emphasis on on running quality sufficient timely fraud investigations that are important to the air force Mm -hmm. um yeah i've dedicated my entire career to the fraud mission Uh, i've been doing it since i came into osi i was doing white collar crime even before that because You know, I truly believe that this is the best job in OSI.
0: I see. Very well said. Our guest has been Special Agent Mr. Jason Hine, the Director of OSI's Office of Procurement Fraud Investigations. Sir, thanks again for taking the time to be with us. Uh, It was great to chat with you, and thanks for the education. Yeah, thanks, Wayne. And thanks to all of you listening for tuning in. For OSI Today, I'm Wayne Amon saying so long for now.